0: only show that dives into the seminal and underrated soap opera of the early aughts. Season two. Season two. Not season... yet, my friend. Wait, what are you? We're, 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 we're. We just finished season one. We're leaving the, the, the wave pool that was season one and we're strolling towards the bigger wave pool of season two. Oh, we're going to do this artsy, we're going to do season three. Or season four, then three, then two? No, my friend. This isn't some Star Wars bullshit. They know how to tell stories here at the OC. But there is the special features. Of season two? Of season one. Season one. We're going to dig into all of it, Ryan.
1: I'm sorry. I'm confused. Last episode, we completed season one and we were done forever. And if this is a good podcast, we're going to stick to that promise that we made each other and our audience and God. And you're going against all three of those. A podcast. Not a good one, then. Who can tell? Maybe a great one. You know what? From now on, we're talking about Disney villains. Ooh, Just change it. Hades? What are your thoughts? James Wood? I mean, I'm more of a Dominican Republic fan, but if you like Haiti, then I guess that's okay.
0: Are they Disney villains? (laughs) He had issues. Walt was not a great man. But, Ryan, no. This is, I think, it is from the DVD collection of season one. What percentage
1: of people that are listening to the show, OC fans, hold on, wait for the question before you just throw out a number own the OC season 1 DVD. 7%. Oh, I think it, I think it's like
0: 95.
1: 95%? I'm not asking how many what percentage of the nation? listeners of this show. I still
0: think 7%. 7% own the DVD. But you think 95% of listeners of this show own the DVD. When's well, the last time they pulled out those DVDs? that That's a different question. Are they like me? where like, you own the DVD, but you don't want to go through your leather binder. Right. So you just download it again illegally? Exactly, yeah. Might as well torn. It's probably covered it's in dust. It's on Hulu,
1: guys. It's probably in your mom's basement. And oh, by that, I mean butthole. Don't
0: go in there. It is dusty. Um, But yeah, there are special features on this DVD. There are. Like any good DVD, it has boring special features. And by gone, it, we watched them. Back in the day, when you had a DVD collection, mm-hmm. what with
1: your, you had a large collection of, say, Smallville season one, oh, Smallville, Smallville season two, Smallville,
0: Smallville season, season three, three, Dawson's Creek season four.
1: How much, or l- let's say that you owned movies on DVD as well? Eight Mile? How much were special features a thing for you?
0: In the beginning of DVDs, definitely. And then I would watch them almost like a chore. Yeah. What's the word? Uh, like, I had to. Right. I, got, I bought the fucking DVD. I guess I got to see this thing. Uh, the one I do remember, because I just brought up 8 Mile, was the, all the battle rap scenes. The, the crowd, who were just rap fans, started to boo because they don't know how movies work and didn't know he wouldn't actually freestyle until he got so annoyed. He was like, fine, fuck this, and did. That was an awesome special feature. Angry Eminem saying, fuck you, a bunch of people got there because they liked him. But I would say that it was like,
1: I don't know, one out of every 20 that you watched across your DVD collection was like, oh, I'm really glad that I
0: watched that. And commentaries were always the best. All the featurettes, which is what we're talking about today and next week and maybe the next week, were never like, ooh, because you put your your fucking nephew to direct the featurette. There's not great people behind it. But the commentary could be really interesting. You're either learning how to make movies, or it's funny. But again, and it's so crazy that you host a podcast. You're so bad at this.
1: Uh, we're not talking about commentary. For the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about special... Featurettes! Fe- featurette. um, featurettes remind me of when I was a kid, and HBO would do their like free preview weekend, uh-huh. where you just got HBO for three days. Movies would be an hour and 45 minutes long, but... They wanted to start movies on the hour. Right. So they would put in this like weird sort of half commercial, half information, not really anything
0: thing in between the movies. And they do it again now with HBO, with uh, Game of Thrones and all their shows. Uh, Insecures is fun. They do the wind down where Issa Rae drinks with a different cast member or her co-creator, Princess Penny. And they're all charming, so that's fun. But I'm not learning.
1: Yeah, uh, but there's a difference, though, between uh, 15 minutes with Issa Rae, a person that we appreciate and Uh would love to hang out with, and this is as close as we're ever going to get, slash the creators of Game of Thrones saying, it was hard because it was a book, and now to show them what we did was we read the book, and we made it a show, and when you make a show, you put cameras on the actors and you write the script.
0: When Sansa says, I'm different now, what we're trying to show is she's different now.
1: It's weird. When you're on set, we're all just a family. And, you know, we all just hung out and we would talk to each other or we wouldn't talk to each other. And those are sort of like that's how the set
0: works. And the cast, they either read books or are friends or don't read books. It also shows you how misogynistic society is because if it was good, it'd be
1: called a feature. But it's bullshit. So we put that etch thing on there. I'm gonna
0: be I'm gonna be edgy and start calling all features featurettes.
1: Oh wow. You're gonna change the world. I think I
0: might. People are gonna get it. They're going to really get it. And they're like, he's doing the hard work.
1: I am going to change the world and make things that are even worse than featurettes called mini featurettetinas. Throw all Mrs. Mrs. mini Tina's and throw all of the girl things onto one thing. Quadruple negative, so it's great? Yes.
0: Wait, I love it. Algebra. Algebra. Is that feminine? Algebra, yeah. Ends with a- Not algebra. Is that a fucking surf dude who's really good at math?
1: Or uh, just like a super good surfing pile of pond scum that rides around surfing.
0: Tonight, the featurettes that we're going to watch, which you should definitely dig up your dusty-ass mom's butthole DVDs of The O.C. Season 1. We're talking about the casting featurette and the music supervisor's featurette.
1: Now, we're assuming that most people are going episode to episode with us. Uh Uh-huh. But probably not, right? They're trying to remember when they watched it. What the
0: fuck? There's no way that the audience has... Watch these featurettes. Well, I'm as pause this podcast, watch the featurette, and then come back to us.
1: Or, we're going to do such a good job that you don't even need to. We're going to
0: paint a picture. With our words? With our words. But that's different.
1: Every word is worth a thousand
0: pictures, they say. That is what they say. That's why Instagram's all about them words. Fucking insta-poets. Ugh. Fuck you, Rupi cower. Do they have an Instagram
1: for the people who are picture-blind, and it's just text of... Mm-hmm. The pictures they could be
0: seen. Just bracket. Here's what this picture looks like. Sunny flower. What's the opposite and of bracket. instant? Slow. And what's the opposite of Graham? Cracker. Is
1: slow marshmallow.
0: Cracker. <laughs> when we come back, it will be talk about the casting process of the OC. Ryan, you're Ryan, and I'm Mike because we didn't do that in the introduction. In the casting featurette. What surprised you the most? If you had to guess who the anchor of the show was before you watched this very informative, very entertaining featurette, who is your anchor for the OC? If I had to guess, that's a good question, especially now that I
1: know who it is. Pretend, erase that knowledge. And I want to go back, and I wonder if Peter Gallagher was a star, a household name, a name, before the show came out. Before any... More than anybody else who is in the cast. Because Sex, Lies, and Videotape was 1989. Holy shit. Yeah, so I think people knew his name. And I don't think that like it's a show that you can go to networks and say, we have Peter Gallagher,
0: but... Here's a face you know. yeah, A uh, name you know. here's, Here's the brows you know. Here's an anchor. Do you love Sam Eagle from The Muppets? Well, we got the human version of that for you. In the Sam Eagle story. And then it sort of notes from
1: producers turned it into the O.C. Yes. Went away from the Sam Eagle What if Sam
0: Eagle had a family? Great, I love it. Who lived on beach? Great. And wasn't Sam Eagle anymore? What? Yeah. So they got Peter Gallagher first. What I liked about the featurette is the everything we've said, I also like that the show knows and agreed with us, uh, that they went in knowing, and the reason they cast him first was to prove to the studio the adults mattered just as much as the kids.
1: Yeah, and I think that is a very big deal sometimes on the OCD we'll talk about how we're revealing that to the world but I I do actually think that that they went in with that plan
0: so we're not it's very textual we're not going into the subtext it's obvious yes so you don't think there's some time travel they've listened to our show went back in time made this feature and went let's make these adults important I didn't Think that.
1: Although now I'm starting to reconsider because anytime you bring up time travel in a hypothetical situation, it
0: goes from hypothetical to theoretical. That's actually what happened. And in this theoretical situation, you got your Josh Schwartz, you got your Stephanie Savage, you got your Mick G. Are they gigawatts? Are they flux capacitor? Are they Delorean type time travelers? Are they Primer type time travelers? Are they uh what's that movie? The Fountain type travelers? What kind of travel? through time do
1: they do? I'm going to interrupt this bullshit bit and ask you a question about your thoughts previous to this featurette and the show. Uh I'll ask you two questions. Pick one. Okay. I pick the second. Did McGee had, McGee had a big uh role on the show. Did Brett Ratner save McGee from being the biggest crybaby fat, uh like, molesty asshole in Hollywood? Because Don't you feel like that McGee could have done that but Brett Ratner stole Got that? there first? Yeah. And two, Based on names alone? Watching um, Josh Schwartz uh-huh. in this featurette. So remember the first question. You can yes. choose to answer that one. Did he come off, and he was like 24 or 5 so young. when he wrote the pilot. Did he come off as boy genius? Just wonder, can, like, how did he do this so young? Or when you were watching him talk, did you think like, oh, so anyone can do
0: this. Uh, I'm going to write a show. I'm going to choose the second question. Not that McGee is a rapist one. No. Okay. That's uh, fine. And what I'm going to say about the second question is what it seemed like is a young kid, a 24 year old young kid trying to be very professional while talking. Maybe if you're good at writing, it does not mean you're good at talking on camera as yourself. You think that when the interview cameras went off, he was like, do bro, do bro, Mountain Dew, yeah. snowboarding. Because every time they talked about through the casting, they said how much every he was like, I didn't like Adam Brody. And Adam Brody's like, I didn't say anything that uh, Josh wanted me to say, and then the other the casting director was like, "He is exactly like Josh Schwartz." Uh, I think he was doing everything he could to not be Seth, and maybe off camera he's very Sethy, but he was old enough at this point in time to know he should no longer be like that. Okay, so that
1: makes me think that he is a douchebag who can turn that off, and I think that's a really cool, cool quality. But as far as like creating a TV show and knowing how a script works, that to me is like. It's so baffling to me, it's so hard to write a bad script, much uh-huh. less a really original, really fresh, maybe the best pilot in the history of television, turn it into the uh, seminal... Seminal. ...TV show of all time. And it's hard for me to know if, like, he lucked out, or if he is... He has a genius, uh, like, along the lines of the creators of The Sopranos and The Wire, or if maybe he has, like, that, like... He can sort of see the Matrix. Uh-huh. And so... It, 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 I don't understand why other people don't see this. Oh, you just write this and this and this, and here we go. You know, like, and there's the script.
0: Yeah, it doesn't even seem surprising to him. He didn't have to, and I'm sure he, I'm not saying the rough draft of his script was the OC pilot, but it's just, he might be of their early enough generation, because he's probably our age ish, a little older, of being so consumed by pop culture that, yeah, these are the beats, because we all naturally know the beats if we nine hours a day after school watch this shit.
1: We all know the beats. Throw a couple of uh, flowers on there, Turnips. and then you're good.
0: And yeah, and like, and then you get a a good crew. It's interesting to me that Stephanie Savage. They mention her. She's not in the featurette, mm. uh, but she's part of the OC. But then becomes this partner with Gossip Girl, and then full on co creators of the Runaways. Excuse me, Runaways. Uh, how much was she an editor here? How much did they meet here? Is she that voice behind? And they didn't know how to boost her. It does see he has a, a crew of adults. There's the casting director guy. There's the rapist McGee. Uh, is that a real thing, or are we just... Oh running? no, okay. you are starting that right now. Okay, cool. You just said it straight up from you saying. Nope, I
1: I was always making a joke, and then you said that very seriously. Well, he's thing. got that name. Or the other thing is that Stephanie Savage was uh, all business, 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 mm-hmm. and then we think of like business as a thing that you can learn, but creativity is a thing that you're born with. Uh huh. That's actually not true and then Stephanie Savage throughout their shows learn oh i can i can create like
0: i understand how this sort of works and Rachel Bloom has McKenna uh three name her last name is McKenna as her partner is mm-hmm. it the young person who has this idea and the other person's like well here's how this world works let's go right like it, it's as if like uh young
1: people or the idea people are just explosions and then the more serious people are
0: like craft filters the explosions. and they can
1: point the
0: ideas into a way that will actually get done. And I think a, a very important role of pointing is the dude whose name I should have written down, the casting director. I think there should be more awards for these people. The one we always talk about, and by always and we, I mean you and I in the backyard, not in front of Mike's, is Allison Jones, has shaped 2000s comedy. Yes. She is all over every sitcom and movie of the last 20 years.
1: But that's 2000s comedy. Uh I mean Cheers was not the best written uh one of the least watched shows mm-hmm. and it became hall of fame because of its cast it's always because of the cast the thing that all successful tv shows have in common is, is the ensemble and that person i don't know that i don't know how to do that job it seems insane right. to like uh pray for chemistry to like uh, sort of see it happen in the future. It seems like the hardest, most important job.
0: And that, if we're talking about seeing the Matrix, for this dude to be like, "Well, we need Peter Gallagher. Here's our anchor." And the next, they got Misha Barton, and everybody on this featurette talks about her in such a creeptastic way. She's an adult and a child at the same time, in just a sexy way.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of weird things going on there. One, um, she's the anchor because that sort of she acts like an anchor. But uh, there's a weird thing when they're saying because it feels like that they're sometimes saying we need a very nuanced Uh three-dimensional female character and then they're also saying uh she's 16 but we want older men to want to fuck her
0: yeah and she was the most when they talked about her that the lines between misha and marissa blended where everybody else there was peter and sandy kelly and kirsten there was clear different people but hers it all got weird and maybe they just know who would be watching the featurette and what this is for, and it is if Peter Gallagher's the anchor for the producers, Misha Barton was the Gallagher for the teens who want to watch the show. It was a weird... And, and when you say she's the Gallagher for the teens, you mean the watermelon-destroying <laughs> Gallagher. She right? got them all wet. And then uh, what I what I do love is, because they're just burning through trying to talk about all the cast members and who gets talked about next. Kelly Rowan, they, they didn't talk about her a lot, but they nothing but... I mean, they only said nice things about everybody. Nobody's talking shit on Luke here. But the way they talked about the different actors was very telling. And like Kelly Rowan just came in and, he, yeah, she had to be the bitch, but you loved her in that first. Yeah. Like that's the seeing the matrix of who has to be heartwarming in what moment and good in what moment. And all the characters that they nailed was how can you do all these things at once?
1: One of the things that you always hear about with uh, auditions in. And- more so TV than movies, is that I tried out for this part, but got this part. Uh Uh-huh. And it always seems to work out well. And I can see how if Melinda Clark tried out for Kirsten, that... You
0: got that evil face. You got the evil porn mill face, Melinda.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you're going to be able to pull off the, uh, I am very cold and waspy, and I want what's best for my son, but eventually I warm up to this puppy dog character. Uh, So instead, Melinda Clark got cast as Julie, and just listening to Melinda Clark talk about Julie uh-huh. was, it made me, uh, uh, not only is it a great, it's an all-time role, but she might
0: be a great actress. I think she, yeah, one, the difference between her voice and Julie's voice was so different. Just like Misha and Marissa's voices are very different. Because Melinda Clark is actually in real life a kangaroo, so. What's about wh- like this. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy acting. And movie. there's warmth in her voice and joy, which Julie doesn't often show. And so many people who play villains are like, but here's why they're the hero. And Melinda Clark was like, she wasn't supposed to be funny, but the stuff she did was so bad shit that it became funny. And isn't she absurd and evil? I love that she, she, I'm an actor. I'm not this person. Isn't it fun to be evil?
1: Based on this featurette, I could see the crew, like the writers and the producers watching Melinda Clark and
0: saying, oh, no, wait, I get the
1: OC now. Uh Now I understand what the
0: show is supposed to be. She taught them what the tone of the show should be. At moments, and it does. She, I think, Julie does, because of Melinda. The what the it's a soap opera, but it's very funny at the same time. They all thought Seth would be the funny character. He's fucking not. It is Julie gets those lines in, and it's not funny like Airplane. It's
1: funny like Fast and the Furious, yes, or a Yergo's Lanthimos movie.
0: Yes, it's satirical. It's, it's, you, 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 like, there's no punchline, but it's all fucking funny. It's all absurdly funny. Right. And not dumbly funny. Have we hit the cast enough? Fuck Adam Brody, even he thinks it's great to improvise all the time. No, we should do this. We should talk about him. Yes. You want to dig in? Does Josh Schwartz, Mm -hmm.
1: creator of the show, the person who told you that your Schwartz is as big as his, Love Adam Brody. No. Hate Adam Brody. Cannot come
0: to terms with the fact that he is Adam Brody. Certainly that. It was weird to watch this dude not be comfortable on camera, suddenly get even, his body language sunk in while his words got more open, because he slouched into his chair. He was even more flat and emotionless while being like, Adam didn't say any of the lines, and I thought, I never want to see that guy again, and then they made me bring him back in, and I guess he's great. We built a great character together. And this is a featurette. where It's not like
1: a, uh episode of WTF mm-hmm. where Josh Schwartz is getting real. This is a featurette where you should be like as surface level as possible. Yeah. And jo- What it reminded me of was there's an episode of Larry Sanders where Dana Carvey on SNL does an impression of Larry Sanders. Uh-huh. And Larry Sanders just has to deal with the fact that that happened and then have Dana Carvey on his show and just be cool with it. That's what it felt like is that at, he's watching Adam Brody, who was the, uh, a super cool guy in high school in a way that Josh Schwartz wasn't, and is now doing an impression of Josh Schwartz up to 11, and just be like, no, I love all of this. So you think Adam Brody is closer to Luke, episode one, than Seth? Not in like the I can play lacrosse way, uh-huh. but definitely in the I can pull ass way. Because So he is close to Colin Hanks as Grady Bridges. Yes, absolutely. And Josh Schwartz thought he should be pulling ass but it's because he didn't have the Adam Brody thing. Uh-huh. And now Adam Brody has the Adam Brody thing and the Josh Schwartz thing,
0: and he just has to sit there and say like,
1: oh, this is best for the show. And this is
0: when the casting director was like, they're the same guy. It's uh-huh. so great. It's the same guy. So that had to just stab him in the heart over and over again.
1: Yeah, so he's saying, I'm not like that guy because I'm way better. And also... uh, I hate the fact that he is able to do all these things that I wish I was able to be. I think it, it was an absolute nightmare for Josh Sports.
0: And it is annoying to in the audition ignore all the scripts and then everybody be like, "Isn't he great? He doesn't even read the script." I mean, maybe at the audi- he got the part, so maybe I'm wrong, what the fuck do I know? But it feels disrespectful. I feel like if you go on
1: if you do an audition, there's like a 1% chance you're going to get that part. If you do what Adam Brody did, there's a 0.1% chance. Don't learn from this audition. Don't people. do this. Yeah,
0: because this happens so rarely. Only Adam Brody and Ben Schwartz. Is it a t- length of hair, a height of hair?
1: And then we have to think about the amount of times that a showrunner will scream at their employees. And I will bet you that Josh Schwartz screams less than most showrunners. Uh huh. And a high percentage of his screaming was about the fact that Adam Brody is on his show.
0: But that screaming was into a pillow that his mom embroidered in his <laughs> fucking office. It was and never it said. At the Don't cast. scream. The last thing I think we should talk about is uh, Rachel Bilson. Again, the same tones as Kelly Rowan is she came on, was supposed to be a one or two episode person, one note, but she was so good. They went, well, you're a main character now because you have vulnerability even while you're being a bitch. Yeah. One of the weird
1: things about that is this is called casting the OC and it should be talking about the actors. And uh, what they did was they talked about how nuanced the character of Summer was. Uh I don't think that's true. Like, I think that Rachel Bilson was able to do so many things that, she like... forced uh, nuance. Who was the other friend who held the barbecue party? Heidi? Heather? Holly? Holly. Hall, the Whoever played Holly. Humor? You're, you did great. It's probably not humor. Humor? Dr. Heidi Humor um, did what her part asked her to uh-huh. do. But I think that Rachel Bilson was so good that it's not the character of Summer was written no. so well. That's what they tried to pull off. It's like, Summer has so many dimensions. They... They got Rachel Bilson on set and they were like, let's give Summer more dimensions.
0: And I think the difference between Summer and Julie is Melinda Clark was old enough to be like, I did this. And mm-hmm. Rachel Bilson at the time didn't know she was allowed to be like, I did all these. Th-. She kind of did. They just talked over it. Mm-hmm. But they, and they did their like, the way she said, "ooh" made us go, should we write her into more things? There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a billion pictures in that "ooh," Ryan. <laughs> should we talk about the Kens? Yeah, let's talk about the Kens. Never had acted before? Had zero credits to his name? Maybe he acted before. Maybe he was Peter Pan in some sort of high school musical. And I believe, if I was watching this featurette correctly,
1: and I don't think I was because I was hanging upside down doing those sit-ups that oh, you can do so when- you're so good yeah, at those
0: anti-grav sit-ups.
1: I just got to work on my abs, is that uh, the audition didn't go so great, but before the audition,
0: he stood outside the studio and yes. just acted exactly like Ryan did? They, they said, the casting director and Josh Schwartz said- uh, He beat them to the the audience. He beat them to the audition room. uh, Was outside smoking. Did not look at them or say hi. Just kept smoking while they walked by. Walked in, didn't say hi to them, and just started the audition. And he acted like that wasn't on purpose. Either he's a genius or he's fucking dumb and rules. He just was Ryan Atwood. Yeah, I mean, I get that's not how you, I guess acting means a lot
1: of things you have to know how to act and you know how uh-huh. to you have to know how to audition and he doesn't know how to do either one of those and I feel what well, like you I, tilt your head
0: to the side till you almost fall over I have seen so much
1: of this guy's career that <laughs> I feel like that I can uh, say whether or not he's a good actor but it reminded me a lot of Adam driver for girls uh-huh now he's like a big superstar and he can definitely do whatever the director asks and he's just a good actor but before I could see Adam driver being such pure id right? that it was like whatever he is is what he is
0: and because when they're talking about Ryan they said he Mackenzie was not what we saw but I think it's the like Summer he changed what Ryan would going to be Mm -hmm. Uh, Donald Glover and Troy Barnes and community Mm -hmm. this person is such a force of whatever they are this character is now different whatever jock character you thought about before that's not gonna work not gonna be it right it has to change now this person has to smoke and ignore people until they're set hide They're sides, perpendicular to the whole world. So, does that mean that the original Ryan
1: pre-Benjamin was closer to Luke or Eddie? Closer to
0: Eddie or Trey. Or Trey. More of a Riverside punk ass.
1: I have my issues with
0: Benjamin. Yeah. BMAC. The cans. I'm so glad that it went this way, which is weird, as opposed to some traditional Yeah. Weird weird is always better. It's interesting. It feels more lived in and real. Because there's no actual stock Eddie. Eddie feels fake because he's Riverside guy. If you're bringing a real person's history there, that's going to be fascinating to watch. And the other thing too is that
1: um, if this show lasted for six episodes and got canceled, we could shit on Benjamin Ke- McKenzie so much. But uh-huh. because it went for four years, I'm full of love and compliments. You know, like, right? I, I I'm not sure how to say. Oh, I wish they cast Chris Pratt instead. No, which they will do later.
0: What? Uh, We do have to take a break. Before that, it turns out Tate Donovan is just Jimmy. He was the jimmiest of the jimmies in the world. All right,
1: so we get a lot of interviews with people. Um, Is anybody a bigger
0: asshole than you thought? Uh, It's it's weird because we hate Seth, but I try to be like, that is a character. That is not Adam Brody. And somehow Adam Brody was a different flavor but bigger asshole than Seth was. Is anybody the gum chewing is always going to... You, for 10 minutes, you couldn't stop chewing gum? You knew for a fact you were walking into an interview and you popped the gum in, bud. The one person who seemed like they didn't want to be there more than Josh Schwartz was Adam Brody. Everybody else was like, isn't this a fun day? And then I didn't see anybody in the
1: interview who seemed like they were doing that much range, you mm-hmm. know? Like there wasn't a goat who was playing a teenager.
0: No, like fake acting?
1: No, just acting. I mean if you're if if you're if you were born a goat and you acted as oh, a, a goat, teenager, I think my greatest, greatest of all time. No, no. no. You goat. meant like
0: a black Adam? Black Phillip? Yes,
1: like a black Philip. The bitch. Um, <laughs> but I would think that the least like their character would be Jimmy, because Tate Donovan at this point was probably more established S- second than Second to Sandy Cohen. Peter Gallagher. Uh and Jimmy Cooper is such a fuck up.
0: Turns out <laughs> Tate Donovan's a fuck up. They left every false start, every bad dad joke in there. Every him being like, "I didn't know I was a dad type until they said, should you play a dad?'" And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm getting older." Did you uh, buy it, or do you think he was just faking it up for the uh, camera?
1: I bought it. I think he's a charming idiot. He said that he was a uh, he was at the uh, when he got the call. He was a big loser, and he was uh, he lived in a Donna van down by the Donna River. Did you believe
0: that? Yeah, I don't get it. Oh, it's his name. It might be a bit. When we come back, it will be to talk about the way they designed their music. Michael. Ryan Cole. Audience. Audience. Greg and Taylor. They They never fucking show up. Where are they? We're supposed to, all four of us are supposed to be on every single show. Taylor never comes to Moody. Do they get, uh, like, dents in their paycheck because of that? Like, are they losing money? I hope so. Can we talk to... Lewis? Okay, everybody knows producer Dave at this point. Accountant Lewis rarely comes here. Should we call the main office? The problem is in our last strike, and then we did the CBA where we
1: uh, signed the agreement, uh, we argued for 365 sick days a year. Oh,
0: fuck. Some people will say take as many vacation days as you want, ours is take as many sick days. Mm-hmm. And we are all the kind of snowflakes that say it's cold outside. Sick day. Although "Baby, It's Cold Outside" is a terrible song, we should never ever play that again. I'm gonna take a sick day just thinking about that song. If you know what I'm saying, I don't. The other it uh, hurts me, and I don't want to hear it. Featurette that we watched is
1: um, the music of the OC with music supervisor Alexandra
0: Pat Savas. Trying to start a fight with me? You remember the name of your main person? I just said the casting director. I'm trying to
1: fight. I'm trying to start a fight with you by being like good at my job. and
0: That feels pretty aggressive you to me. That
1: automatically points out how bad at your job you yes? are? Okay. If somebody's better than me, that means they hate me and they're fighting me. Way to go, snowflake. So, watching this featurette and having watched an entire season of The O.C. and having done an episode about The O.C. Mix 1, it sort of started to make me think about the showrunner's role in the soundtrack of the show mm-hmm. i think that the most famous one is david chase who created the sopranos and the sopranos definitely had a odd soundtrack and we learned later that he just put his favorite music into all of the shows and because
0: he is not a mobster that was jarring
1: S- not so much that because it, it wasn't always uh mama mia papa pia like it it turns out that there's other songs besides that you fucking racist just mooks only listen to mook music but it it seemed like that he was into mobsters but then once the Sopranos was over he went and directed a movie called Never Fade Away about the era of music that he filled the Sopranos Uh with like he just likes this thing 60s 70s rock is that sort of yeah Uh, I would say mid to late 60s as opposed to 60s 70s it never felt jarring for this show it feels like a person with a very specific music taste uh-huh. is doing this show. More jarring than The Sopranos, I would say. At one point in this featurette, Josh Fort says, well, we didn't have anybody to do it, so I just
0: put it on my iPod. For the first six or seven episodes, which is a pretty defining moment, so even if Alexandra comes in to do the rest, she has a template. There's a template
1: there, and I feel like that if she didn't follow... Specifically uh-huh. Josh Schwartz's
0: iPod. She would have got fired immediately. The they talked about some specific moments in some specific episodes. And the big moments were Ryan and Marissa on the Ferris wheel, Ryan running up to Marissa at New Year's Eve. But the moment it the episode she lit up the most on, and I don't know if I'm reaching here because it's my favorite musical episode, is still the New Year's Eve one, is all the different parties and how their songs define their parties. And she seemed excited about that. We're doing something here. And they specifically said, we're not trying to play just OC bands and OC music. We're doing another thing. But that's the episode that plays the most OC real music. Am I reaching here? Did she seemed like, isn't that cool that each party has their own vibe? It's
1: a good question. Uh, she she was so excited. Because you got to imagine that if you are an interviewee for a mm-hmm. special featurette, then it's probably like three hours of, questions and answers uh-huh. for 15 minutes worth of screen time and they felt like they should keep this in and this is probably the part that she felt the j- most jazzed about but i feel like that josh
0: schwartz has a such a specific thing with music and it's drony fucking british music is how i would describe it N- none of these are bad songs but all piled together they sound like the same song mm-hmm. kings of leon they don't write it, they're not a bad band even though my wife fucking hates them and screams until they get turned off but if you put on an album, it's just the same song over and over again. Misha Barton talking about the song where her and Ryan kiss was like, and it was such an important moment. And, and they picked the perfect I song. I can't remember the name of the song, but it was so, like, it's because it all sounds the same. It's all very slow and forgettable. And they said college radio. I feel like the term college radio is very much like indie film. If you say that, there are good ones. There are great college radio songs. There are great indie films. But if you put that label all I assume is it means up its own butt and boring. It all reminded me of my favorite Joni song.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I get down to that one.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, if you try to uh, wrap your mind around the world of music, your mind will explode. But, and I get that, and that's that's fine. But you can't then focus on a very small part of music and uh-huh. say, I know about all
0: music. Like, that's not the, that's not the case. Do you buy, because they said the reason they eschewed uh, OC Bands was they were trying to just show, defined characters' emotions. Do you buy that, or is that just a thing you say? Or do you think this show actually does that with music? I mean, it's
1: hard because by doing that, they pretty much only picked emo
0: music. Uh, a genre called emo. I don't think they did. We get an Iron and Wine song, which I think I would be screamed at if I called it emo, and two Death Cab for Cutie songs in this whole thing. There's not enough emo in this fucking thing. I feel like you're picking sad mascara donuts here. Like, I will have
1: one Iron and Wine. Ooh, give me two of those Death Cabs down there. Those look good.
0: But I think so many of the songs are just not emo. Emo stems from punk and hardcore, and that is so rare in this fucking show.
1: What is the
0: show's genre? I think it's... Besides Schwartzian. Besides Schwartzian? I do think it's Brit pop rock. Which is just slower, but I mean, Oasis begats, right? I think a uh, Oasis begats American bands, right? Uh huh. Yeah, they do. They talked a lot about covers. Are those because they're cheaper to get or because it's fun? That's a good
1: question. I don't know. There are a ton of covers, and they like that, and I like that. I sort of like that in a trailer, uh huh, or a big just a bunch episode. of little kids singing it, yeah, real slow to be like if the OC as an entity, became a band and covered the song. That's what we have for this moment. So I do think that's cool. But also, uh, Rooney is featured heavily in this featurette. Shoe shaking, And that feels like a product of kids listening to Oasis, American
0: kids listening to Uh Oasis. So what is that genre? What? I don't even know, because Rooney is also stems from, like, Lesser Strokes, right? It all Hmm. comes from the Garage Rock Reboot. Are we watching a show
1: filled with bands that grew up listening to The Strokes? Is that how old we are? No, 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 no. Because The Strokes and Rooney
0: are, I think, contemporaries in... The Strokes' first big album was around this era. So the Rooneys were not listening to The Strokes. But I I feel
1: like that The Strokes are the emblematic band of uh, we're gonna be new, but so old.
0: Remember 60s rock and then doing it again, and then Rooney just had more of a sheen, but a forgettable sheen, because The Strokes are a better band. I don't know, man. I sound old and too young. I didn't like it when I was then, and I don't really like it now, but I will say Rooney is fucking great if you have to watch the rest of this featurette and remember the rest of the boring, forgettable songs that they picked, then Shushu Shake It Up is catchy and fun and danceable.
1: I guess, but I I really think that you're setting a low bar. Yeah. And my question is that, is this bad music, or is is it me and Josh Schwartz have very different ideas of what good music is?
0: It's certainly that, and because I lean more towards you than Josh Schwartz in my music taste, I might also be biased. But I find it so fascinating that this show is known for its music. It really is. People talk about that, and they released six CDs, and it's the most boring bullshit. It's crazy that you lean more towards me
1: in uh, than Josh Ward's in your music taste and your showrunner taste. You think that I would be a much better
0: showrunner than Josh Ward's. He just doesn't have a defining enough personality. I know, and I think I got him. And man. I like I like the kind of guy who breaks those horses' legs in luck, who throws chairs and screams at people.
1: Going back to The Sopranos, uh, I Tanya is the uh, like pinnacle of holy fuck. So no one tried, as far as music goes. Like, oh, really? You, uh, you bought, now that's what I call trailer music, and you played <laughs> it throughout the movie, and no attempt was made to have any voice of your own.
0: And do you mean trailers for movies or trailers in parks? Trailers for movies. Okay, because I, it could lean either way. Yes. So many different types of trailers, but I, Tanya, has... Bon Jovi? Fits uh, in
1: both. I, Tanya, has, like, uh, I Feel Good by James Brown, and uh, the Journey song that everyone loves. It's everybody's favorite song. <sighs> And the OC
0: didn't necessarily have a good voice. It just had a, a voice. voice. So that is interesting unto itself? I think so. That at least it wasn't generic? And the, the, the hindsight is so interesting, because maybe at the time we were like, what are these bands? And now we're just like, they all sound the same. Fuck up.
1: And I think that uh, if Josh Schwartz in interviews is fighting against him being Seth, uh-huh. in show running, in his music picking, he's fighting for him being set. He's yeah, that, he like, wants to
0: be like, look what I'm into. I'm secretly incepting
1: him being the main character because of all of the music in the
0: background. And the one, there was a song he liked that they got, and they were like, it was an import. It wasn't even in the States yet, and we got it. And they were very proud about that. I think kids these days, if they somehow found a DVD in the trash bin and watched it, would be like, what the fuck is an import? If the OC music in
1: general is 5% into my Venn diagram, mm-hmm. Of my historical music liking. What is it in yours? Eight. Eight? Oh, shit. Really?
0: You thought it would be more? I thought it would be way more. No, th- there are like five songs in this season that I love and are my bands. And all five Phantom Planet. And they're all Phantom Planet. You left five intros California. and the other 22 were yeah, terrible. The they just didn't do as well. <laughs> uh, and the re- it's, it's Alkaline Trio. It's Dropkick Murphys. It's Bright Eyes. It's Jeff Buckley. It's Iron and Wine and Death Cab. I can name the fucking bands. Because it was so few and far between. And this is this might be huge bias. I grew up here. I'm a very Seth, Josh Schwartz kind of guy. And it was not my music. And I'm furious. But I think based on the five things that you just said, because music is all about...
1: Uh, I'm trying to figure out what music you like. And it's not about guitar. Uh, it's drums, right? Drums decides the genre. Sure. But with those five, it's about lyrics. lyrics. It's about...
0: Sad, 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 sad There are lyrics. all variations on sad. Are we angry sad or saddy sad? And like, or sexy sad. Jeff Buckley, so sexy sad. If you were born in
1: 55, I can see you maybe being, being a Bob Dylan Compton, fan.
0: Maybe? Oh, that's even older.
1: <laughs> you might have been a Bob Dylan fan or you would have been like uh, too poetic, too obvious, not sad enough. Sell more cars.
0: Could you have been a country
1: fan back in like, the day?
0: Like Merle Haggard? Yeah. Willie Nelson country? Because all those songs are so sad? Fuck yeah. For years I've said I hated country, and there's a huge country movement in Orange County as well. But how many alt-country bands I love? Uh, Yeah, I think I could get into old-school Lone Ranger fucking country.
1: I got a two-question path for you. You got to pick one. I love this. One. Just the fucking bandersnatch of co-hosts. Is there anybody that you would rather hang out with less than the person who picked the music for this show? And how she came off in these in this featurette. And two, is there a better back of the house job as far as TV and movies go than this? Because people are like, I became a costume designer slash maker because I love the art, and you're just sewing. You're sewing. You're right. researching sewing. But this fucking job, dude. Oh my no, god. No, this is
0: the best job. Uh, we met because I got this job, or I wormed my way into your life from being a tech person on a shitty musical. Into the uh, music supervisor of your shitty web series, we could tell people it was. Uh, I love the '90s on VH1. I love the '90s, and I went. I got a lot of '90s music. You he heard of the Sugar Ray's? And it's such a fun job. You get to go to shows, you get to listen to music, but now with purpose. Arms folded with purpose. At no point does a needle and thread hit your hand. And fun, yeah. Takeaway: We hate sewing. We don't want to do it again. We're sick of it. We're uh, good at it. It's just we're over it, you know? And she seems delightful. I think, unshackled, I think she would make a good mixtape. Oh, no. No, no, no.
1: Uh, She, like, we talk about how the worst type of movie person is, uh, they can't say, like, oh, I just watched Schindler's List. But they have to say, I just watched Schindler's List, even Spielberg 1993. She feels like that oh, person. Oh, just
0: yeah. info dropping? Oh, God. But, but you, it. Is it because you've known too many of those people in your real life that you can't handle it? I guess. She just seems sweeter than those people we know. I probably know more
1: music people than movie people. You are that that movie
0: person, so yeah. Shut up. -uh. Nuh-uh. Don't be fucking... (laughs) We're not flirting. That wasn't a compliment, asshole.
1: But uh, when she was talking about her job, she was like, and then I had to like try a fourth song over the scene and a fifth song over the scene. I had to find the perfect song. That sounds fun as hell. That's so sweet. That's an awesome job. I just want to do that to life. Hey, propose to me again. Can I press try it here? Mm, not yet. And then you're like, uh, all right, I put five Josh Schwartz bands over the scene. Now I'm going to try Mastodon. Now I'm going to try Journey.
0: You're it's a grand old flag. <laughs> you're a high-fiving flag. There's it. Are, the, are those expensive rights? No, that has Wait, did the fucking Happy Birthday Girls sing? I'm not talking one?
1: about uh, Public Domain. I'm talking about Mike Gravagno's singing of your Grand Ole Oh, Flag. if you're trying to
0: use that, Don't, give me a million dollars. That's a million dollars. A million dollar credit check right now. I'll check your credit and lower your credit score. Of the two, put them in the bracket. What do you think?
1: Two featurettes. Oh, what's winning? The casting. I think so, too, because... I learned more. Yes. And I thought that it was better editing. Uh Uh-huh. I always think that they're going to say something dumb and then show us something dumb, but I loved how somebody would say something off the cuff, and then they would cut to a thing that I did
0: not expect. Yeah. They were, like, actually trying to show their work, which was interesting, where the music one just didn't do that. They would say a thing about a thing and then show you the thing and go, yep. The other thing, too,
1: is that uh, in the music one, they showed people in their workspace uh-huh but in the casting one they were all in this like weird circular pillow lounge that was like off-site where do you think that was i don't know do you like that do you want a nap room like that i think that like maybe in i don't know what's an hour away from la san Dimas? san Demas, there's an oc interview pillow lounge that only the cast of the oc can go to still still to this day how often is it used how many episodes until we get a card and get entrance into that pillow lounge? 17 more. How many people care? 13. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they do. <laughs> Who do we run into the most often? Have I you don't. ever been impressive to 13 people? No. And I have so many relatives. Wouldn't it be awesome? It'd be great. I'm like the first person in my family to graduate from college, and I've never been impressive to anybody. That I think that's all the time we have. Producer Dave is running around on fire, and I think that means we're done. Tell them where you're from. My
1: name is Ryan, and I'm here to say I love doorpotfilter.com in a major way. I go to the internet. I put it in a bowl. I check the .com, and I see if I have a soul. Do they have websites? Do they have reviews? Uh, Is this my church? Are these my pews? Podcasts? yes. Articles, yes. Should we
0: go search for the Loch Ness Monster! Put a slash Amazon at the end of all of that, and that's how you shop from Amazon now. It helps us. It doesn't change your experience at all. Bookmark it. Contact us. Contact us.
1: Please email us. Contact at com. Send us an interview. If there are special Send us features. an interview. Did I say interview? <laughs> yeah. How,
0: do you, is it a great interview with like Roxanne Gay and... Nanette Gatsby?
1: Do you think that if I, uh, if I, and I'm not admitting that I did, but if I had said interview, um, that people just would have like not paid attention and we could have all moved on, do you think it was important that you pointed out the fact that I made one single fucking mistake in my entire podcasting career? Is it
0: important for you to know that we're at the time of the day that I'm drunk and mean, and that's how I'm just going to be from now on, Is so you should get used to that? Just so you know, listeners, it's 1130 in the morning. Mike's becoming his dad.
1: <laughs> and... Mike just ate a bowl of berios, but with vodka.
0: Ooh, I love good beers. Have you ever had those Everclear cherries? That's my lunch. Based on the band? Yeah. I will buy you a new life. So yeah, go to Everclear.com. <laughs> Contact at EarPopFilder.com if you want more behind-the-curtain talks like that. Or give us a little ring and ding ding at 1562-D-R-D-J-P-O-P. That's 1562 Dr. DJ Pop. He is a robot who has his doctorate in philosophy and he also spins those ones and twos and one of his hands is a uh, giant New York Giants foam number one hand and his other hand is a but and he puts those two hands together to put your voice on this very show or hit us up on Twitter at your pop filter you just scared the shit out of me because <laughs> we have our normal shows and then we have
1: our Patreon shows where we pull back the curtain and now i think that you're thinking about like other shows where the curtain is fully pulled back. Double behind are the curtain. listening to people our conversation <laughs> how disgusting you are to me and how abusive.
0: Uh, some kind of monster did so much for Metallica. I think people want an audio version of that from us. Yeah, but we have two Lars. <laughs> we have
1: two Lars and no other members I'm of suing
0: everybody who download this for free. What, they're all free? I'm suing everybody. I'm gonna sue Free. <gasps> sue Free was my neighbor growing up. She watched it sometimes when my mom couldn't be there. She was all right. That's where I learned beer with vodka. That was a dead cat.
1: The whole time she was watching you.
0: And she gave us the beerios with vodka?
1: No, you just took them.
0: Yeah, dead cans can't fucking protect shit. Yeah,
1: you don't have to wait for permission from a dead cat.
0: Mm, remember that late at night. Don't make it sexy. <laughs> I shit, didn't. now I'm turned on by this forever. <laughs> hey, you listen to our shows, you know the rest of the commercials if we haven't got to them. Next week, we will be talking about the other featurettes, which include The Real OC with Mick G, who is not a rapist. Well... That we know of. (laughs) But look at that name. And surprise featurettes. Latro! Be gay. California.
1: California!